Hello, and welcome to Conversations from the World of Allergy, a podcast produced by the American Academy of Allergy, Asthma, and Immunology. I'm your host, Dave Stukas. I'm a board-certified allergist and immunologist and serve as the social media medical editor for the Academy. Our podcast series will use different formats to interview thought leaders from the world of allergy and immunology. This podcast is not intended to provide any individual medical advice to our listeners. We do hope that our conversations provide evidence-based information. Any questions pertaining to one's own health should always be discussed with their personal physician. The Find an Allergist search engine on the Academy website is a useful tool to locate a listing of board-certified allergists in your area. Finally, use of this audio program is subject to the American Academy of Allergy, Asthma, and Immunology Terms of Use Agreement, which you can find at www.aaai.org. Today's edition of our Conversations from the World of Allergy podcast series is targeted towards really anybody who's interested in learning more about food allergies, as I think you'll, you'll come to understand in just a few moments. Today's guest is Dr. Amal Assad. Dr. Assad is a professor of pediatrics and the associate director of the Division of Allergy and Immunology at Cincinnati Children's Hospital. Dr. Assad has held numerous leadership positions within the academy, and as a testament to her career contributions, she has been the recipient of the Woman in Allergy Award from both the American Academy and American College of Allergy, Asthma, and Immunology. Dr. Assad is an expert in food allergy and serves as the chair of the planning committee for the upcoming The Practice of Food Allergy Virtual Conference, which is the focus of today's conversation today. Dr. Assad, thank you so much for taking time out of your schedule to join us, and welcome to the podcast. Thank you for having me and for the very uh, nice introduction. Very kind of you. Uh, well, it's our it's our pleasure, and I'm very excited to learn more about the upcoming uh, conference you have planned. But before we get into that, I could really spend probably our entire time together just listing your involvement in various committees and contributions to our specialty uh, throughout the duration of your career. What motivated you to become so involved in not only the academy but other professional and advocacy organizations throughout your career? It's really my uh, interest in promoting the specialty and uh, promoting the specialty is to serve the patients who the specialty serves. Uh, I'm also very interested in uh, education and educating uh, our colleagues and our uh, fellows and residents and also educating our patients. It's so fantastic. And what advice would you have for any of our listeners who would like to get more involved, but really don't quite know how to get started? Just say yes. Just say yes. So whenever there is any opportunity that comes your way uh, and people offer you something to do, just say yes and volunteer your time. I think the other thing with the academy that's really marvelous is join committees. When you join the committees, uh, you get to contribute and you get to uh, be really involved as much as you want. I love it. Just say yes. Now, you, you've certainly earned the right to say no. Do you, do, do you still find yourself saying yes to opportunities? Always. <laughs> but that's great. You, you have extensive experience in both you know, caring for patients as well as participating in research surrounding food allergies. What do you think is the most significant advancement regarding either the diagnosis or management of food allergy that you've, you've observed since you started your career? Oh, I mean, there's so much going on in food allergy these days that uh, it's going to take the rest of the hour. <laughs> or you can attend the conference we're going to talk about and you'll learn all about it. But really, uh, I think it has started with the interest in food allergy. Uh, 30 years ago, food allergy constituted about maybe 5-10% of what allergies do. Uh, and now it's about 80% of what allergies do. 
And uh, there is so much going on from uh, all immunotherapy to biologics, to understanding uh, novel methods of diagnosis, and, and also understanding the patients themselves, the different populations, uh, that that have food allergy, the phenotype of these patients, mm. the uh, social determinants of health that affect the uh, the response to the food allergies and how they cope with it. Yeah, it really has been tremendous how much we've learned uh, just in recent years alone. Well, I would say on the flip side, what, what do you think is the biggest area of unmet need regarding food allergies at this time? I think there's still a lot to do. There is a lot to do. There is uh, unmet need still in reaching uh, many populations that can be helped with, for example, the methods of prevention of food allergy. Uh, we have to get to these populations and, and get them to benefit from the knowledge we've acquired. Um, there is a lot of, uh, there's still lack of knowledge about food allergy in various racial groups like uh, Hispanics, Asians, uh, Middle Easterns, uh, uh, various uh, various populations and racial and ethnic groups. Uh, there is uh, still lack of knowledge about uh, how to have children with food allergy cope with what they may meet in schools and in colleges. Uh, there is a lot to, to learn about that as well. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And I think as as a way to sort of help understand some of these unmet needs and address you know our the current evidence surrounding it the academy really developed this new standalone food allergy conference that was first held i believe in person in chicago in 2019 and the theme of that three-day conference was food allergy from primary prevention to treatment and intervention what led to the to the decision to start this new conference on behalf of the academy and why has it continued since then Yeah, uh, it was a great initiative in 2019 to have that in person. This was uh, at the time under the presidency of Dr. Bob Wood, who is world-renowned for his work in food allergy. Uh, There is also an unsatiable appetite, no pun intended, for food (laughs) allergy (laughs) learning and, and education and everything food allergy, really. So this year, the reason we uh, we went on with this meeting is that there was so much more about food allergy that we could fit in the regular annual meeting. Mm-hmm. So we thought, well, let's do another meeting, and hopefully, this will be a, a uh, you know the first or the second of many, and that this would become a yearly event, so we can all keep up with the advances in food allergy. I think that's a great point because there's such great programming throughout the annual meeting, but boy, it's such a busy weekend, right? And and sessions like this kind of get scattered throughout. So just to kind of focus everything and as sort of a one-stop shop is, is a great idea. And the theme for this year's conference is the practice of food allergy. How does that theme encapsulate the overall goals of this year's conference? Yeah, the goal of this conference uh, and the way it's set up is to distill and condense a lot of the knowledge and advances in food allergy for the purpose of the practicing allergist. That's why it's called the practice of food allergy. Uh, we're not talking a lot about the basic science or the clinical science behind all that. We're really talking about the advances so the practitioner uh, can utilize what we're going to be talking about in their practice and uh, uh, help the patients in their practice. 
I love that. I think that sounds fantastic. Well, when is this year's conference taking place? It is on Friday, October 20, uh, 9 a.m. to 5 p.m. Central Time. Mm -hmm. So that would be 10 10 a.m. to 6 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. And some ungodly early hour on the West Coast. I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, and just to make sure all of our listeners understand, is this entirely virtual or is any portion of this taking place in person? It's all virtual. Uh, and the advantage of that is that it, uh, listeners uh, or people who register for it can then come back and listen to it again. Mm. Or others who uh, decide they, they want to register later can do that and still get access to the whole meeting. Is this available only to Academy members or are others welcome to register as well? Anyone is welcome to register. Uh, anyone in practice, uh, Academy members and non-members are welcome to register. And where can our listeners go to find more information and also register if they're interested? So there's many ways. Uh, the way I access it, I access it is I Google it. <laughs> I Google the practice of food allergy. It immediately gives me a link. Uh, but at the end of this uh, podcast, there'll be a link to it. Also, if you just go to the Academy's website and type the practice of food allergy, it's going to come up. Excellent. And yes, we will have a link to it on the if you access our podcast through the Academy website. Absolutely. Uh, do you happen to know how long this will be available for somebody? Say they listen to this six months from now and they and they think it sounds interesting. Will they still be able to go and register and um, and view the content? Absolutely. Uh, they will be able to do that. And the content will be available for a whole year mm. from the date of the conference. So it will be available until October 19, uh, 2024. Okay. Will there be CME credits for physicians? And are there also continuing education credits available for, say, nurses or other allied health professionals? Definitely. There is six uh, category one CME credits for physicians, and there is uh, six uh, uh, continuing education for nurses and allied health. Okay. Well, I really encourage anybody who's interested and who's listening to go go to the website. You'll see all the sessions that are being offered. You'll see the entire conference agenda, uh, as well as speakers and topics and things like that. But what I'd love to do is really, you know, hear from you. This, you know, take advantage of having you as, as our guest here and highlight several of the themes. Uh, let's start with the morning keynote address, which is going to be given by Dr. Sammy Bana. What can attendees look forward to hearing about in this session? So listening to Dr. Sami Bahna is the most informative and entertaining thing you can do. Uh, Dr. Bahna is one of the pillars of uh, the work in food allergy for many years, and he has been my personal mentor as well. Uh, Dr. Bahna will cover the history of food allergy in uh, 25 minutes, I told him, just 25 minutes. <laughs> Uh, and you and yes. I both know Dr. Dr. Bonnet. Do you think he'll be able to do that in 25 minutes? <laughs> <laughs> well, yes. <laughs> I'm confident as well. No, and I agree. He's what a wonderful person to really kickstart things and, and provide some high energy uh, to the rest of the day. And it looks like the conference is divided into hour long symposiums throughout. And each of these symposiums sort of has this common theme with shorter presentations within each. What was the thought behind presenting information in this manner? I, I, it looks really, you know, I think it's a great way to organize it, but tell me a little bit more. Yeah, uh, I was told that the attention span of uh, People in our age, it's only 15 minutes. 
if we even stretch it. So no, <laughs> really, because we want to cover so much and uh, we have asked the speakers to specifically touch on the most salient and important points that would be important for practice so that we don't get lost in, in many um, sidetracks. We want to just focus on the topic of each presentation and then also uh, give time for question and answers that is equal to 15 minutes as well. That's great. And I have no doubt that some of the speakers are probably struggling a little bit uh, trying to condense, you know, what they typically offer in a 60 minute presentation into 15 minutes. Did you offer any advice for them or were there sort of like a behind the scenes practical ways to do this in such a short manner? No, all our speakers are uh, very able to adapt to the time frame and uh, I'm pretty sure they'll all stick with the 15 minutes. They, they're all very seasoned speakers and, in, again, very entertaining, able to, to communicate with the audience very easily. So I think you'll enjoy each and every one of them. What do you hope attendees will take away from the prevention symposium? Oh, yeah. So, uh, I mean, a lot of the allergists, but maybe not uh, uh, people who are not in the allergy field, know about prevention. Uh, but we're going to talk about the effect of prevention, how it, uh, how this knowledge about prevention of food allergy has been disseminated and, uh, and applied. And again, you know, talk about who's missing in this, in this picture as well. Mm. The diagnostic symposium seems really interesting to me. What's the focus of these presentations? Can you give us a, a, a little sneak peek here? Yeah, the doctor, uh, Dr. Samson, of course, is uh, one of the pillars of food allergy, and he has done more, a lot of more recent work on novel diagnostics for food allergy. Uh, Dr. Uh, Santos uh, from England has done the same. And uh, so we really, and, and Joe Bird has led a lot of the publications and uh, guidelines on diagnostics of food allergy. So it, it, the diagnosis of food allergy is one of the main um, uh, reasons why a patient goes to a, an allergist, and it, it is one of the main reasons how the allergist works them up. So this is going to be a great session to to attend and and uh, and do benefit from. Why do you think it's important to dedicate presentations towards nutrition and psychosocial aspects of food allergy? I noticed that's a symposium as well. Can I ask you why? I mean, <laughs> that's interesting. <laughs> yeah, that's it's like the, it's the behind. It's you know, it it permeates everything, right? It this is what is right. sort of, it never gets addressed in clinical practice. Yeah, I, that's I think true. That's, that's true. I mean, nutrition, food, food allergy uh, may uh, be hindering nutrition and nutrition may be hindering the care of food allergy. Uh, so it's very important. It's a very important aspect that's often missed. And uh, commonly, uh, practices do not have nutritionists, but again, the allergists and uh, the nursing staff can, can acquire that all. Uh, the psychological aspects of food allergy are parts that uh, I personally have been trying to insert in every discussion uh, and every meeting about food allergy because that is not uh, given its due, um, 
you know, its due place in the discussions. It's a very important part, and Linda Herbert is amazing. Oh, she is. I, I couldn't agree more on, on all of this, and I think that's going to be a, a great, some great presentations to look forward to. Now, coming into the afternoon, the, the afternoon keynote presentation will be delivered by Dr. Stacy Jones, and we'll discuss the history of COFAR. Can you tell us what COFAR stands for and how this has advanced our understanding of food allergy? Absolutely. So COFAR stands for the Consortium for Food Allergy Research. And this is an initiative from the NIH that started many, many years ago. And they've had so many cycles of this consortium. And uh, they've brought into the practice of food allergy much of what we are trying to do today, like the concepts of uh, uh, oral immunotherapy, the concepts of biologics, the uh, study of natural history of food allergy. And uh, it's been... Uh, the researchers have been again the the great the greatest the who's who in uh, in food allergy work and research, and uh, Stacy Jones has been part of all these cycles. Uh, they are now on the thirteenth cycle of uh, of funding and and COFA um, consortia. So so I think I we couldn't find anybody better than Stacy to tell us about all that. I'm sensing a theme with the two keynote presentations of sort of providing a bit of historical background for attendees. Was that intentional or did it just happen to come together that way? Very intentional because uh, the fellows who I hope will attend don't know all the history behind where we are today. And I think it, it gives us uh, lots of, um, of pause to, to know that where things stood 30 years ago or 50 years ago and where do we stand now. You know, I, I'm kind of chuckling to myself as you say that. I, I recently uh, interacted, I won't throw anybody under the bus, with some learners, let's just say, and I was uh, mentioning some of these pillars that are presenting, and uh, they were unaware of who they were. So we had a, a mini history lesson uh, in clinic, but yes. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, I think it's amazing that we can have an evidence-based session on food allergy treatment, uh, which you have at, at the conference coming up. Tell us more about the treatment symposium taking place in the afternoon. So the treatment will uh, will go over uh, many of the aspects, which includes, of course, the biologics, which includes the oral immunotherapy, which also includes the 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 way you approach treatment of patients with food allergy. Okay, and also in the afternoon, there's a symposium on non-IgE mediated food allergy, and there's some interesting topics within that symposium as well. What are you hoping that attendees will learn about during these presentations? Yeah, I would say that the non-IgE mediated food allergy is has been uh, very commonly sort of the neglected uh, mm. sibling, <laughs> but, <laughs> but there's a lot more interest in it these days, and uh, this is where also you know, we tend to have patients come and say, oh, it's not IgE, it's not our business. But in reality, what non-IgE is also our business as allergists. And, uh, and you know, uncovering this aspect is very important because a large majority of what comes to the allergy practice may be non-IgE. And lastly, the, the conference wraps up with the Practice Management Symposium. Why is it important to include this information in, in a conference such as this? Because uh, setting up a practice for food allergy is a bit different than the traditional practice for 
allergy the way it has been set up. So we really uh, like to highlight to the attendees how to prepare the practice to take care of the this large influx of patients who are coming to see them for food allergy. Uh, it's not exactly the same. Mm-hmm. And, and we also have, you know, um, a presentation on developing the uh, SOPs for a food allergy clinic by Krista Mills, who works with us in Cincinnati Children's and has developed many of our SOPs. We have a presentation but, uh, by uh, Dr. Sakina uh, Bajuala, who will talk about the billing and coding, which we can't deny that that's an important part of our practices as well. And then we have a presentation by uh, Kim Mudd on the uh, management of uh, maintenance in OIT, which again has become a very important uh, uh, treatment modality uh, in uh, in patients with food allergy by many practitioners. Mm. Uh, it's really impressive how you and your committee has really teased out some of these sort of um, topics that really aren't talked about as much as they should be. Uh, and you're really putting a focus on that. I, I think that's going to be wonderful to, to observe and learn from. You mentioned before that there's going to be question and answer sessions programmed throughout the day after you know each symposium is concluded. Um, and these are going to be live, of course. How is this going to work logistically for attendees? Are they going to you know, type questions into the chat feature and then the moderator will kind of distribute them? Or are you envisioning some other you know, functionality? Yes, that's how it's going to be, that uh, questions will be typed in the in the chat and the moderator will, uh, and we have excellent moderators. They're all part of the committee that put this uh, in and I have to give them credit for putting all this meeting together. But they also, uh, having put it together, they know the, the goals and objectives and how to moderate the sessions. So the the questions will be, uh, typed by the attendees and then the moderators will direct them to the speakers and, and the whole panel. So all the three speakers of in each session will be the panel discussions. And what are you planning on doing on October 20th throughout the day? Are you uh, sitting back, you know, kicking back and relaxing or are you working? Uh, <laughs> I am attending the meeting. I want to hear all these presentations. I haven't heard them. <laughs> <laughs> are you uh, are you presenting or moderating yourself? I am just moderating one session. I'm I'm moderating the session of diagnostics, which I've always been very interested in. Yes. <laughs> okay. This really this really does sound amazing, and I I can tell how much work went into planning this. What comes next? Is this going to be an annual event, like you sort of alluded to earlier, and and will you personally continue to be involved? Yeah, that's a great question. So I'd I'd love to continue to be involved if the uh, if you know the current uh, chairs of the of the FADA. This comes out for FADA, the food allergy uh, and eosinophilic disorder intersection. So if the leader, the current leaders of FADA, uh, want me to be involved, I'd be glad to give my time. You know, I always say yes, yeah. but. <laughs> but I'm pretty sure they uh, will, will have even better ideas and can put together uh, another amazing uh, meeting every year. Uh, as I said, it's really the committees, the, the chairs of the committees of FADA. So, so the, the chairs and vice chairs of the uh, Food Allergy Adverse Reactions Committee, as well as the Isinophilic Disorder Committee. And we uh, had great uh, partnership with the Allied Health 
committees as well, so that everyone uh, is was involved and everyone gets their point of view in there and gets to benefit from this meeting. That's why we want, you know, also nurses and allied health and nutritionists to attend as well as fellows and students. Is there going to be some sort of formal feedback uh, for attendees to offer at the end of the uh, the conference? Oh, well, uh, I have to find that out. I'm pretty sure for people to get CME credit, they're going to have to to fill some form with questions. <laughs> and we definitely would use this, this feedback for the next meeting to always improve and be responsive to the uh, needs and assessment of the attendees. Yeah, and you know, it, it, without fail, I'm sure you read all the comments that you get from the, your presentations and things, but there's always somebody that says that it's either too cold or too hot in the room, uh, and they seem to offer that on their feedback. So if they offer this time, you, they can only blame themselves, I suppose. <laughs> well, <laughs> that, that must be what you look at too, huh? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's all, every, without fail. <laughs> Dr. Asada, I really appreciate you taking the time to join us and, and tell us all about this tremendous conference that's coming up on October 20th, 2023. Uh, and again, we'll put links on our on the website for everybody. And I hope that you have a great turnout for this conference. Is there anything else that you'd like to add? I'd like to thank you. And I'd like to thank the Academy. And I'd like to thank uh, Jessica May, who has helped us tremendously to put this on, uh, and the rest of the Academy staff and educational personnel of the academy staff. Uh, we could not have done it without them. Well, thank you again for joining us. This is very insightful. Thank you so much, Dave, and uh, have a great evening. Thanks. We hope you enjoyed listening to today's episode. Please visit www.aaai.org for show notes and any pertinent links from today's conversation. If you like the show, please take a moment to subscribe to our podcast through Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify, so you can receive new episodes in the future. Thank you again for listening.